Lord, we come today to praise you. You are our living hope. You are the God who is eternal and powerful and mighty and glorious and loving and merciful. God, our hope is in you and you alone. And so we come today to praise your name and your name alone. And God, we come today hoping to hear from you. So God, our simple prayer is this. Speak, Lord. We're listening. We're listening. So Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, church. You can have a seat. It's good to be with you today. The Bible reveals that God is powerful, that God is holy, that we can know him as father and creator, that he is redeemer and rescuer, and God is holy. He's powerful. He's eternal. He's glorious. He is love. God is light. Light. The Bible tells us that God is light. Have you ever heard that before? You ever thought about what that means? I mean, just consider the properties of light, this profound way that God reveals himself. Light is beautiful. It's beautiful. Just think of the splendor of the cosmos revealed as we gaze through a telescope. The northern lights over the Alaskan mountains. A sunset dancing on the ocean water. Autumn sun peeking through the clouds and the beautiful leaves. A million stars dancing in the night sky. The explosion of fireworks over our cityscape. The twinkling of Christmas lights. The crackling of a cozy fireplace, a candlelit special dinner, the porch light welcoming us home. Light is beautiful. It's also powerful. Light is powerful. Like when concentrated, it can heat, even burn. Like last summer when my family and I were on vacation and I fell asleep on a raft on the lake on a cloudless, sunny summer day. And no one in my family awakened me to say, hey, Dad, your sunscreen may have worn off. And so that day, the light of the sun changed the color and the comfort of my skin for the next several days. That light is powerful. It's powerful like when my buddies and I set the schoolyard on fire by concentrating light from a magnifying glass onto a pile of leaves. Sounds like something that grade school boys would do. We were juniors in high school. We knew exactly what we were doing. I don't know that I ever fully confessed, so in case any of my teachers are watching it, that was me. So, and it's past attention time, which is nice. Light is powerful like when the microwave in just moments, can heat up that food for you using these incredible light waves. Light is powerful like when the doctors focused intense light on the cancer that was attacking my dad's body. Well, light's powerful like when my buddy looked into the welder's torch And his eyes became super sensitive to light. He had to wear special dark glasses for the next several days because he had burned his eyes just looking at that light. Light is powerful like when a laser cuts through metal, slicing through it like a hot knife through chocolate because chocolate's better than butter. Light is powerful. 
Well, light's also mysterious. Mysterious. It, it operates in ways we don't fully understand. Light's mysterious, just even in the the speed that it takes. We, we have all these different kinds of light. There's radio waves and microwaves and infrared rays and UV rays and X-rays and gamma rays and, and all these things. All these aspects of light travel at the exact same speed. We call it mysteriously the speed of light. And as light travels at that speed, it functions differently than other things that travel at slower speeds. So here's, like for example, you have two people born exactly the same time, exactly the same moment, and one of them hops on a spaceship. And you have this space-traveling astronaut person who travels then at the speed of light. Now let's say that the G-force doesn't rip them apart at that speed, but they're able to handle the speed of light and they're... They're traveling up in space. They fly around for several, what would be several years for us down here on Earth. And then when they return, they're actually younger than the person born at the same time who stayed on Earth and traveled at Earth speed. Because when you travel at the speed of light, you age slower. What? Like, it's just mysterious. It blows us away. The the physics of this are crazy. The, The amount of light that we have, we have all these different kinds of light, but yet the light that our eyes are able to receive. Our eyes are these phenomenal light receptors designed by God, and yet the amount of viewable light that we can see is 0.0035% of all the light that exists. The light we're aware of with our eyes is like minuscule compared to all the light there is. It's just mysterious. That light is mysterious. It, it operates in different ways. Light acts as both a particle and a wave. It, it acts like a particle. Like particles are substance. They're thing. You can touch, feel. And, and particles bounce off of things. They hit something. They bounce off of it. It's a fixed location. You can see the location might move, but you can see where it goes. There goes the ball. And particles move. Waves, though, are totally different. Waves are wiggly. A wave isn't located like here or there. It's kind of everywhere. It spreads out. It does this weird thing. Waves don't necessarily bounce off things. They can, but they also go above them and below them and around them, and even light waves go through them. Like waves are totally different than than particles. That Light acts as both particle and wave. We have different physics for each of these, different sets of mathematics for each things. We have particle physics and mathematics. We have wave physics and mathematics. And yet light acts as both a particle and a wave, but it gets worse. It acts as a particle and a wave at the same time. And, and our physicists are left saying incredibly intelligent things like, uh, don't know. Just don't know. It's weird. Well, like light is mysterious. It, it, it breaks the rules. It baffles our understanding, baffles our science. And yet God chooses to reveal himself as this beautiful, powerful, mysterious thing called light. God is light, the Bible tells us. It, God reveals himself this way, maybe to nudge us towards humility. Maybe to remind us that the, the same way we don't fully grasp light and that we only see just this very small part of what actually is. That maybe God is saying, hey, hey, I want you to draw near to me. I want you to understand me. I want you to come close, but you're never going to fully comprehend me. You're just going to get a little bit. 
And don't think you can box me in. Don't think you can fully comprehend me. Don't think you can control me. Don't think you can understand how I'm about to move. Don't think you can predict my actions or fully grasp my holiness. Perhaps God gives us this as a reminder that things that act upon us in very profound ways are often beyond our comprehension and even our visibility. God is light. This is a ridiculously profound concept. Like we just glance over that in scripture. There's a lot to this. And this God who is light chooses to reveal himself that way. At the beginning of creation, when, when God created heaven and earth, there was at that point before nothing except God, and then God creates heaven and earth, and then everything's totally empty, and the first thing he fills it with is light. We go back to Genesis, the book of beginnings. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light and it was. Because to get this, God speaks and substance happens. God speaks and there's substance. Word and matter, substance, particle. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that, right? So God speaks and there's stuff. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And that's good for us. It creates this natural rhythm to life. It gives us a way to tell what day it is. It's this beautiful thing on this side of heaven, this light, dark, that we have sleep cycles. I like sleep. I prefer that. I like to sleep in the dark most times. It's nice to have that. That's a beautiful gift from God, that there is still some dark. God separates the light from the dark to allow us to sleep. For you third shifters, sorry. And there's not just this practical side. There's this metaphorical thing, too, because throughout the rest of Scripture, light is seen as good and holy. Dark is a metaphor for sin and evil. And so God calls the light day, and the darkness he calls night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. This beautiful concept, and there's this separation, and God chooses light as a way to reveal himself. And then if you're familiar with the creation narrative in Genesis, this book of beginnings, you know day one is light, day two is sky, day three is land and sea, day four is sun, moon, and stars. And wait a second. We, we have days. Day one, night, day. Day two, night, day, night, day, three. We have this happen three times before there's a sun and moon. How? What? Well, like what, what is God doing here? Hold on this. This confounds our understanding. Light is, is used as this biblical imagery from the first page of the Bible to the very last page of the Bible and everywhere in between. Light is just all over Scripture. And so at the end of the Bible, in John the Revelator's letter to the churches, we see this concept of light again. As everything's wrapping up and actually there's this new unfolding of the way things are forever moving forward. When this world as we know it gets wrapped up and history comes to its finality and there's this new timelessness of heaven, John, the author of Revelation, gives us this picture of what he sees there, talking of the holy city in heaven. It says, I saw no temple in that city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, the Lamb being Jesus, are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb, Jesus, is its light. There's no sun or moon because God 
shines his light on it. We don't need sun or moon. The nations will walk in that light, and the kings of the world will enter into the city in all their glory. We're told later they lay that glory down at the feet of the glorious one because their glory can't even hold a candle to his. These gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no end of the day there because there's no night there. We have this eternal day in the eternal city. God doesn't just create light. God himself is light. His light illumines the city. And at the dawn of creation, God chose to express himself as light, illuminating his creation with himself and unveiling it and illuminating and veiling and revealing. And then he creates the sun and the moon to just give us a picture of his glorious splendor. Friends, are you beginning to get a sense for the glory of God? Are you beginning to get a feel for the radiant splendor of the Almighty? God is light. But light is the essence of who God is. It's the essence of what he does. Light reveals, it shines, it gives warmth and direction, power, energy, it exposes, it clarifies, it gives perspective. God does all those things. We could say those things describe God as well because God is light. He he chooses to reveal himself in this way. The, The Bible is clear about this. God is light through and through, all day long, every day, for all of eternity, all the time. The Bible gives us this picture, Psalm 36. God is a fountain of light, like a volcano of light erupting against the night sky. Psalm 43, he leads us with light. God is our north star. Psalm 104, God is wrapped in a robe of light. Sunshine is his bathrobe. It's this beautiful picture there. First John 1, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all, like the noonday sun in the heat of the desert. First Timothy tells us his brilliant light is unapproachable, like a blazing forest fire that you can't even get close to because it will melt you. His radiance, like staring at the sun, you can't even handle that picture. Matthew 17, at the transfiguration, Jesus' face shone as brilliantly as the sunshine And his appearance was white like lightning. Habakkuk chapter 3, he is as brilliant as the sun with rays of light shining through. If you've ever watched as the clouds are in the sky and the sun rays, the sunshine comes through, you can see them at a distance, the rays of sun. That's God shining through. His light shines out like that from who he is. The entirety of Ezekiel's prophecy says God's glory shone like brilliant light. Now, for Jews of the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, this was a powerful image of God. Because light was a precious commodity to them. In the daytime, no problem. But once the sun set, darkness was to be feared. That's when all bad things happened. That's when bad people did their bad things and bad things could happen to you. And darkness was to be feared because the animal that roamed at night would come out. It was a scary time. And, and for the average common Jew, light was a precious commodity because oil and candles were hard to come by. They were expensive. It took work. So, so when you would light your home, you would light it not with a whole lot of lights. I try to get this through to my own kids even in these days. Like, it's still not cheap. Like, turn the lights off when you leave the room. For those people at that time, you you light a candle. They won't have dozens of candles lit around the home. There's one 
candle. At best, a home dimly lit for a little while. And so to have this picture of God in a resplendent glory as abundant, magnificent light would have been a powerful image for these people. Now, there was a place where a fire was kept going constantly and kept burning. We see in the Old Testament that God resides in that era of human history. God resided in the temple. And so in the temple, you had these rooms. You had this, this one particular room where there were these fires burning constantly large fire burning on these pillars to remind them of God's presence, his eternal presence with them. God's always there all the time, presence with them, but also of the power, the heat, the the magnificence of this. And so you had flame and light and smoke all the time. God shows up at these times throughout the Old Testament. You have these moments where God breaks through because it doesn't take long after creation before the light goes away. And so God shows up with this. But You have this moment where there's just light and smoke all the time. We we see throughout the Old Testament, God shows up with lightning and thunder and storm and fire and smoke and cloud and again and again and again. So if you've ever wondered why we use haze and light in our worship services, it's not because we're trying to be hip and cool. Like, oh, we're that cool. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the magnificence of who our God is and reminding us of how he shows up so often. If those lights ever catch your eyes and you find yourself having to turn away, let that speak deeply into your soul that there will be a day when you walk into glory if you follow Jesus as both Lord, the leader in your life, as Savior, the one who saves you because you can't save yourself. You follow him in that way, you will step into glory one day and his light will shine so brilliantly that at first gaze, you won't be able to look. You'll fall to your knees staring at the ground because his radiance won't be able, like you won't be able to take it in. So if these lights ever just catch a glimpse of your face, remember that that's going to be a bit of what happens for you in eternity. Now, at some point, I think God will allow us to then look upon him and engage with him in his glory. But there will be a moment where we all just have to fall to our knees at the radiant glory of God. We we turn back to the creation narrative. We have... Light and dark and sun and moon, stars and sky and all that stuff. And then God creates animals and birdies and fishies. And some of them look weird like narwhals, like the unicorn in the sea. And that's fun. And then God creates this other thing called people in a very different way. God says, let's make mankind, men and women, in our image, in our likeness. That should cause us pause right there, in our likeness. God says. There's so much. Like I think we get about .0035% of what it means to be made in the likeness of God. But of all the things that we could talk about, just think of this for one moment. We are made to reflect his light. He created us to shine. We're designed to be luminaries. To shine forth the light of God. Now, we know it doesn't take long before that light gets dimmed. God creates all this, creates all this beautiful glory, creates Adam and Eve, and not long into the story, that light starts to get dim because the evil one steps in. He whispers his lies, and we've inherited that. Lights have grown dim, if not all the way dark. Every single one of us has inherited the propensity to listen to the whispering sound of Satan. His seductive statements whispered in our ears. All of us have tasted the spoiled fruit of temptation. 
looks so good at first. and So destructive on the backside. Spiritual darkness set in, the lights have dimmed. And we know this too well. Throughout the Old Testament, we see moments where God peeks through the clouds. God speaks in with lightning and thunder and clouds and fire and on and on and on. And he breaks through and the light of God breaks through. And the people look for a moment and then they turn away and they begin walking in darkness again. And they see the light and then they turn back to the darkness again and again and again. We see the cycle until there's one moment where God breaks through in a radically different way. And his name is Jesus. And his Jesus friend John records it this way. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. The word being Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Hold on, let's go back to that. In him all things were made. God spoke and it was. Jesus referred to as the word. And through that word all things were made. The spoken word of God, this living word of God. Jesus is the word, the logos is the Greek word there. Through that word, things were made, spoken and created. This beautiful picture, John is hearkening back to the creation account. We go on with this passage. In him was life, a different kind of life than just this life, this eternal, beautiful, full life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And the true light that gives light to everyone, everyone, was coming into the world. So we have this picture here of God breaking through the darkness into the scene at the birth of Jesus. This first Christmas 2,000 years ago, Jesus born onto the scene. And we have this light that shines through. Jesus himself says throughout John's gospel, I am the light of the world. I mean, that's one of his statements again and again and again. We see that God is light. And so here God is reminding us that he is still God, that he's not abandoned us, that his light still shines through the darkness. And yet, we still miss it. His light came in a whole new way to be experienced in a radically new manner, and yet we still miss it. Jesus is the luminescence of God. And sometimes we just miss it. Now, now you'll notice here, it says, the light shines in the darkness, Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, you know, you walk into a room, you don't turn on the dark. Like, dark doesn't take over light. Light takes over darkness. You walk into a room, you turn on the light, the darkness flees. The darkness is gone because the light overwhelms the darkness. But depending on how big the room is, depending on how bright the light is, it might take a little more light to shine, fill up that room. But what we see here is that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness is not, the darkness is still there. The darkness isn't gone yet. We just saw a moment ago as we looked at that passage in Revelation, there comes a day when the darkness will be gone. That's a day in the future for us. There will be a day when there is no more dark, when the beautiful radiant glory of God illuminates the holy city and all of heaven for all of eternity and there's no darkness, no sin, no shame, no crying, no pain. It's gone, but we're not there yet. There's still a very real, palpable oppressive darkness in this world. But it cannot overtake the light. Man, what a beautiful truth. Now this darkness is twofold. There's the twofold of the the darkness of our sin. 
of our rebellion against God, of us trying to claim control and power that belongs to God himself, of us choosing to go a different direction, and that darkness invades us, a very real sin, darkness. And then there's everything that comes as a result of that sin. This darkness done from us and to us, and that just pervades this world because sin has been here for so long, so many millennia. Darkness is an apt description of a world filled with pain and grief and trials and difficulties, a world that is no longer as God intended it to be. And into that desperate darkness, the light of Christ shines. The prophet Isaiah spoke of this long before Jesus came onto the scene. He spoke of how it would be. He says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. Now, this is God the Father speaking to Christ the Son in this passage. The son, this is what you are going to do. This is why you are about to leave the glory of heaven and go to earth into that dark place so you can be a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known along unfamiliar paths. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. I will not forsake them. What a beautiful promise from God. We know, we know how darkness works in this world. That darkness blinds us to hope and healing. That, that darkness makes us prisoners of pain. It, it puts us in dungeons of despair and doubt and disbelief and discouragement. And yet God desires to open our eyes so that we would see clearly his hope and his mercy and his love and his light and his freedom through his forgiveness. He wants to release us from those prisons and those dungeons. What a beautiful thing that our God comes to us, that he's not abandoned us. That even in our darkest days, Christ's light will shine through. We have this hope if we turn to him. If we turn to him, that we can be assured that even in our darkest days, the light of Christ shines through. That even in the darkest days, like this weekend for some of you, when your, your beloved blue just blew it. Right? Like, I know that's a sore spot for some of you. Now that seems like a pretty minuscule kind of darkness, Right? Like that, that, that stings, but you get another season coming. Now we know there's a lot. By the way, my beloved U of I play today still in the tournament. Just going to throw that out for some of y'all. There is a much worse darkness that surrounds us and prevails. Right? So even in your darkest days of conflict, when your relationships just can't get synced up and the love seems to be fading. In your dark days of disappointment when you don't get the job or you don't get the raise or you don't make the team or you ask that girl and you don't get the yes. In your dark days of depression when it just seems so oppressive and everything's unraveling. Your dark days of loneliness when you feel like you're just sitting all alone or maybe you're surrounded by people but people who don't really know you or maybe people who don't really care. Your dark days 
of trials when you just feel pushed to your limit and the kids are still begging and they're whining and they won't go to sleep and they won't just quiet down and the bills still need paid and the job still has to get done and you just don't feel like you have any more in the tank. The dark days of discouragement that just you feel like you don't have any courage left. Your dark days of stress when you just feel maxed out at the end of your rope. The, the dark days of confusion when nothing makes sense and you can't make sense of anything. The dark days of grief when you stand beside the grave or you stand in the empty home or you just long for one more conversation. And these dark days that just keep coming, the dark days of anxiety, when you just feel like you can't even get a breath, the dark days of fear, when you're afraid that just the worst case scenario is the way it's gonna be, when you get found out, when it all comes crashing down, when they know you're an imposter, when that person leaves you or that job fails you, the dark days of pain and heartache and and hurt, and pandemic, and economic upheaval, and relationship breakage, and on and on it goes in the dark, painful days of this world. And against that backdrop, the backdrop of everything that's wrong, and everything that's broken, and everything that hurts, against that backdrop, Jesus shows up and shines his light and says, hold on, there's hope, there's healing, there's power, just hold on. Against that backdrop, the cross of Jesus shines like a lighthouse, like a beacon of hope to a hurting and desperate world. Against the backdrop of everything broken and all the darkness in this world, God says, I'm here. But the only way for you to see his light, the only way for you to kind of, you, you got to pull back the curtains. You got to open up the blinds. You got to open up the shutters. You got to look up. And you got to send up your prayers like signal fires on a dark sky. God, where are you? I need you. I mean, this is the story of the Psalms. This is the book, the prayer journal of the Old Testament. Songs and prayers lifted up to God. We need you. We're desperate for you. And we need to have that Psalm-like prayerfulness in our own lives to see the light we we turn to psalm 27 a psalm of david the lord is my light and my salvation so whom shall i fear the lord is the stronghold of my life what should i be afraid of if he's for me what do i need to fear we go on one thing i ask from the lord the only thing that i seek that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life now and forever so that I can gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple, knowing that Jesus alone is the treasure of heaven. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. My heart says of you, seek his face. So God, your face I will seek. May this be our prayer. May this be our attitude going on in the psalm. I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord. And I'll see it now in the land of the living. So I wait for the Lord. From be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. We have this confidence, we have this assurance that if we wait on God, if we put our hope in him, we put our trust in him, we turn to him, that we will eventually see his goodness, we'll see his light break through the darkness. For I don't know what darkness you're facing. And I don't know how long it'll last. But I know that if you turn to him, Eventually, his light breaks through like the bright, brilliant dawn dancing on the waves of the ocean in the morning. 
you will see it. That we have this confidence that no matter what darkness we face, eventually the morning comes. No matter what darkness we face, that we can transcend the darkness. That when we surrender our lives to Jesus, his spirit invades our lives. And then what's in here gives us a hope that means we don't have to be worried about what goes on out there. Well, like how we are is not determined by what goes on out there because we have something very different in here. And then when his spirit comes in us, when God comes to us, when we meet with God, we transcend the darkness and his hope prevails. And it may be a while. You may feel like that, that heavy darkness lasts and you may have been there for a while already. But there comes a day when the darkness gives way to light. Nothing else we know that that, that's our final end, is to stand in the eternal brilliance of the glory of God. Friend, his light will shine on you. Hold out hope that this incredible, powerful, beautiful, mysterious God this God who is light is also the God who is love. And he's for you. And he's also the God who is holy and powerful. And he is able to rescue you. And he's able to save you. And he is able to bring light to your darkness. So turn to him. Cry out to him. Let your prayers rise up to heaven like signal flares in the night. In desperation, turn to God and God alone. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are so much grander than we can even comprehend. God, that you are so mysterious in your holiness, in your majesty, in your glory, even in your love. God, we we can't fully comprehend all of who you are. But we know with full and complete confidence that you are the God who is love and you are the God who is for us and you are the God who desires to open our eyes and to pull us from the prisons and release us from the dungeons and bring your shining light of mercy and grace into our lives. So God, for all who are hurting today, for all who have strayed away, may we find our light in you. May we find our life in you. God, for any who have never done that before, I pray that today would be the turning point day for them that they would put their hope in you. They'd put their trust in you. Those here in this room, those joining us online, that we would put our hope in you. And God, for those who have, but the light has grown dim, God, would you rekindle that light? Would you shine your light brightly on us? And would you give us the courage and the patience to just wait on you, knowing that the dawn will come, knowing that your light will shine. Of this, we can be confident. Of this, we can put our hope. Of this, we can put our lives in that the God who is holy and mighty is the God who is for us. And so we praise you and we pray all this in the brilliant, radiant name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.